This is Mystery Podcast, and I'm author Sherry Todd Bayshore. Hi again, and today this is the third of three chapters from my young teen award-winning adventure fantasy trilogy, The Crow Child. As I've said, this project was a particular favorite of mine because it afforded me the opportunity to showcase as superheroes a huge community of kids with chronic illnesses who don't typically see others like them in that role. Chapter 3 You don't look so good this morning. Grandpa Clearwater flipped a slice of French toast, frowning. Do you have cramps? Elijah rested his forehead on the edge of the heavy wood table. No, I have murdered people in my head. He talked to the space between himself and the table. I dreamt about those same people. You know, the guy with the bow and the sword. He's some kind of prince or something important, but he had to escape because this other guy, his cousin, killed his dad, the chief, and his older brother. Grandpa Clearwater watched his grandson listening carefully. He set down a platter of French toast. Here, dig in while it's hot. I actually saw blood, Grandpa. The prince's cousin slit everyone's throat. It was a mess. Elijah shook his head. I'll just have maple syrup this morning. No raspberry sauce. Grandpa smiled. Too red for you this morning. It was like I was there. Prince had this real cute new baby, too. She was only a few days old. The prince is on the run from a nasty cousin, huh? Grandpa took a bite and chewed. Elijah grinned. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I have a nasty cousin I try to avoid, so I dream about a prince who runs away from his cousin. Grandpa shrugged. One never knows. But Grandpa had his suspicions and considered a meeting with the reservation council. Scene change. Neither Larry nor Elijah's cousin James were on the bus Tuesday morning, so Elijah was far more relaxed until he got to the door of his classroom. Father Philbrook had devised a new form of suffering. Instead of a math lecture following by a practice in their notebooks, every one of the 26 students were lined up practically shoulder to shoulder facing the chalkboard for decimals and fractions. When his lecture began, he droned on and on and on while he patrolled around the classroom looking over everyone's shoulder. Typically, coinage is expressed in two decimal places. Show me how you would write 25 cents $2.30, then $116 and no cents. Elijah whispered to himself, frowning, This is baby stuff. No cents is about right for this morning. Twins, Tracy and Tina Stone, heard him and laughed. Like a phantom, Father Philbrook appeared right behind them. Is there something amusing about the decimals that the three of you would like to share with the rest of the class? Their chalk stopped moving. Turn around, all three of you, and someone better answer my question. Fearless, Tracy spoke up. Elijah just made a little joke about decimals making no sense, C-E-N-T-S, instead of no sense, S-E-N-S-E. She spelled the two words. Elijah was saved by Tracy's quick thinking. The annoyed priest looked over the tops of his bifocal glasses. Sense and sense. Mr. Clearwater, I didn't realize you were that clever. He waved his right arm in a wide-sweeping motion, back to the boards. Three friends had a lemonade stand and sold all of their lemonade in one day. In that one day, they made $28. How is 28 divided by 3 expressed in decimal places? He made a final patrol of the room. Quickly, quickly, ladies and gentlemen. 
Scanning along the back of each student's head, Mr. Clearwater, you're the smart one. What did you discover? Elijah stepped away from the board slightly and pointed to his answer. With three friends, the total is divided by one-third. Each friend gets $9.33, but the decimal place goes on and on, kind of forever. I think the correct word you're looking for, Mr. Clearwater, is infinity. But what happens to the remaining point zero one cent, Mr. Clearwater? Elijah shrugged. Rock, paper, scissors. All the kids laughed. Father Philbrook ignored it. Since the change is 33 cents, if you were required to round to the nearest 10 cents, would you round up or round down? Since it's below 5, I'd round down to 30 cents. The bell for recess rang. However, no one in Mrs. Birch's class moved. Erase your work and then return to your desks. Take out your world history book and then read chapter 8 on Ireland, formerly known as Hibernia. For a room of 26, 12, and 13-year-olds on detention, reading about people who had been dead for 600 years from a faraway country they didn't think they'd likely see was even more boredom. Only two facts that Elijah discovered about the Irish were even remotely interesting. Their tribes were called clans, and the leader of each clan was called a chief, like the Native Americans and the Canadian First Nations. Otherwise, he didn't see the point. By the end of the second day of detention, he was considering a visit to their veterinarian who had put a sick goat to sleep on a neighboring farm. Scene change. Ugh, Arrow, I wish you could go to school instead of me. Elijah spread hay for both Arrow and Dart. This time Dart nibbled some of the hay and drank a little of the water from the trough. He brushed them both. The only good thing about today was I never had to look at or listen to Larry Swallowtail or my mouthy cousin James as both those guys are on a two-week suspension. He checked the henhouse, retrieved a single egg, then headed for the back door. In the oven, Grandpa had pork chops baking in mushroom soup, and Elijah was immediately ravenous. Grandpa came through the back door a few minutes after Elijah had dropped his backpack by the kitchen table. I was a little late feeding the pigs this afternoon. I checked the henhouse before I left this morning, and our older hen, Greta, seems to be slowing down. How was your day today? Grandpa took off his cowboy hat and Hudson Bay jacket. Elijah poured himself a glass of apple juice and shook his head. This was from Greta's nest. He held up a single egg. Maybe she's not slowing down. Maybe she's just getting later. He then shared the decimal point lesson with his grandfather. When Doc Miller put Mr. Ingersoll's goat to sleep, could he, like, put people to sleep too, but only for, say, one week? Grandpa laughed out loud and made fresh coffee for himself. It could be worse. I had lunch with your Aunt Dawn. Larry and James are in deep trouble. Rock Clearwater pulled out the vegetable bin from the fridge. Here, you clean carrots. I'll pull the leaves from the corn. I know they're suspended. Jason is in my class, and Joseph was quieter and not such a snot to me on the bus home today. But did Larry and James really accuse Mr. Finch of being a gay guy? It appears so. After dinner, Elijah labored an hour over his class questions for the history chapter on Ireland, and because his cough had returned, he spent twenty minutes strapped to his chest clapper. He brushed his teeth and took the melatonin that helped him fall asleep. Then Grandpa read a chapter out loud from the mystery they were both following. Rock ran his fingers through his grandson's hair. You need a trim, at least. 
You're starting to look like Mr. Ingersoll's dog. Well, I know how to herd his sheep and goats, Elijah laughed. His grandfather chuckled. And that's a fine skill to have, with an interesting career ahead of you. Elijah laughed harder, and then his coughing spasms returned. Ah, we didn't get enough of the gunk from your lungs, did we? He held a small bowl while Elijah spit. After a few minutes, his breathing returned to normal. I'm good now, Grandpa. I'm too sick to do some things, but not sick enough to get out of homework. Graham hugged him, then let him lay back on his pillows. I never liked homework either. Now I wish I'd paid more attention then, and can't seem to get enough time now to read everything I want to decades later. Grandpa stood and headed for the top of the spiral staircase. He winked. Have a good sleep, son. I think I will, Grandpa. I really think I will. Scene change. Elijah dreaming. As they trekked closer to Erdini, the hills became steeper and more plentiful, while the flat grasslands disappeared behind them. With a feeling of unease he could not explain, Dade had sent Reef to scout behind them, but in the direction of the rising sun. Tan he had sent back to check along the Setas River to gauge the distance Tor and his group might have reached. Prince Dade and Ona, Lee, and Teo on the oxen had made it all the way to the southern tip of the West Lake, fed by the Pavis River. He was pleased with their progress. The spot was perfect for a resting camp. There was water to wash and drink and cook. Then fallen leaves piled deep beneath the trees from previous seasons on which to sleep and cover their presence when they left. Ona saw a weak tiny flash from the top of a faraway hill. She tapped Dade's shoulder. Is that reef or tan? Dade nodded and tried to signal back, but only the upper round rim of the sun shone through clouds. Not enough light to respond well, but reef or tan must have seen where we stopped. All we can do is wait until one of them reaches us here. Several paces from the water on the lake shore, Dade started a small cooking fire behind a grouping of large rocks. Lee set several rabbit traps. Teo set traps in the trees for low-nesting pheasants. Ona wrapped baby Tull in clean, dry linens, then washed the soiled cloth on the side of the lake. Tan reappeared panting, bent over with cramps from running. The prince quickly handed his guard his water pouch, then refilled Tan's from clean water scoop from the lake. Thank you, sire. Tan struggled to slow his breathing so he could speak. Lee returned and uncovered her basket with what was left of the raspberries and blackberries. Then Teo returned with several small apples carried in the hem of her robe. She spilled them on the small rug by the basket. Sire, Tan splashed water from the pouch onto his face and then took an apple. Tor follows the river, now with his entire party. Both Baza and Kanji are with him, and they have come a great distance. Dade took an apple, too. We will easily reach the Pavis River Fork that feeds into the east and west lake before another sunset. From there we are in the province of Rudini. Then one of the farmers can get word to the chieftain Darin and my sister Eba. Tan shook his head. They have reached the southeast edge of the lake that joins the Setas River to the north, because of your sister, Tor may have guessed at your purpose. They travel much faster than we do, and will catch up with us by the time the sun is high midday tomorrow. If they do not stop to camp tonight, they will reach us even before that. Reef's voice came from the dark shadows of the trees. To eat, then continue after dark is what they shall do. Reef collapsed from fatigue and his wound. Prince Dade, Tan, and Teo rushed to where he'd fallen. 
When they carried him to the soft sand by the fire, they saw the sword wound in his left side. Lee quickly caught the end of a small branch that extended from the low flames, then pressed the glowing end against the bleeding tissue to clean and seal the wound. Reef jerked in pain and opened his eyes. With a small rug rolled under his head, Lee held the opening of the water pouch for his lips. Teo returned from the edge of the forest with fresh moss. Carefully she laid a palm-sized piece of clean moss against Reef's wound, then held it in place, wrapping a band of cloth torn from her sleeve around his waist. Reef closed his eyes again. They heard a sudden snap, then a sharp squawk deep in the trees and the call from an owl. Teo and Lee ran toward the sound and checked their traps. They soon returned with two birds and one rabbit for roasting. Reef slept. Everyone else in the party was quiet, and they rested too as their food cooked over the open flames of the fire. Reef stirred, then grimaced and opened his eyes. Tail held more water to his lips. After he drank, she offered some raspberries. If you like, I can wash your robe. He shook his head and took her hand. That is not necessary. After crawling through grass and a few more stains will not matter. Reef smiled at her. His fellow guard, Tan, moved closer to Reef. I saw Tor with Baza and Kanji, and the rest of Tor's treacherous hounds following the Seta's river. Did you come upon them after me? Reef turned his head to look at his fellow guard and to Dade, his clan's rightful chieftain. No, I stayed to the open grasses on the sunrise side of the trees that grow between the grasses and the river. It was there I came upon two of Tor's jackals. They were returning to the rest of the disoil gang, after checking to see if we were perhaps heading for Elba and the clan of your grandmother, sire. I killed Fra, the carpenter, easily, but Ver, the blacksmith, had a longer sword and pierced my side. Then Reef smiled, remembering. However, with his sword in me, his heart was that much closer to the point of my sword. Tan shook his head, smiling. Prince Dade nodded. Very good. He looked from Tan to Reef. I thank you both, loyal friends. With the word, loyal friend, Reef knew that if they all survived, then his rank and tans would rise from that of guard to knight. As a knight, he would own land and could then ask for Teo to be his life mate. Dade stood and walked from the others along the side of the shore. He knew they could not defend themselves against the numbers who followed Tor. When he returned to the gathering, the roasting food was ready and the prince had an idea. To that end... I hope you've enjoyed the third chapter and the glimpse into the three-part following of an unlikely superhero in Elijah Clearwater as he ages from 13 to 16 and his unique abilities evolve. Now I hope you decide to read the entire 387-page saga and let me know your thoughts via my website, patchworkpublishing.com, or with Amazon Reader Review. Thank you again, and I hope so much that you have enjoyed this.